Last week we began this series uh, just simply entitled Gravity. Gravity is a force that is all around us. It is affecting all of us. It's holding you in your seat right now. And um, gravity is, is, is all around us. You can't escape it. There's even gravity on the moon. Just Its pull is just weaker there. How many of you are like, I, want any, I need to go there, right? We'll talk about that in the next two weeks. But gravity, overcoming what is pulling you down. There are so many things in this world that are pulling people down. It, you know, NASA has, has had this objective to, to lift man off out of the pool of gravity and to escape the Earth's atmosphere and even to walk on the moon. And my job as a pastor has not been much different, just less math. And that would praise God. It is, but it is helping to give people lift in their life. You wouldn't believe the number of things that are holding people down, the things that are holding marriages down, the things that are holding teenagers down, the things that are holding your potential down, holding your finances down, holding your freedom down. There are all of these forces that we are all around us that none of us get to escape. Romans says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. <laughs> So the, the, the real gravitational pull is the, the gravity of sin. And last week we talked about overcoming gravity. The gravity of sin affects us all. And we talked about how we must get lift in our life to overcome what is pulling us down. And we know that to get lift, and we, like a rocket, a rocket needs two basic, two basic ingredients. It needs fuel and it needs an oxidizer to create combustion. And so last week we talked about that the fuel of the Christian life is God's word. And people are running out of gas. They're running out of gas. Uh, the oxygen of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. And the, when the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together, it combusts and gives us lift, it lift to overcome what is pulling us down. Have you ever run out of gas before? I remember one time, uh, Jenny and I were returning home. Um, she went with me to uh, a school of ministry uh, lecture in Indianapolis, and we were on our way home, and we were just so deep in conversation that all of a sudden our little family van began to sputter. And I ran out of gas on the side of the road, completely stranded. And uh, to make matters worse, my wife was pregnant out to here with Gray. And uh, obviously, uh, I didn't know what to do. So Jenny's like, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go stand out on the road. I'm like, baby, you stay in the car where it's safe. I want you to get off the road. I'm going to stand out on the road. She says, she says, what person wouldn't stop for a pregnant lady? So she popped her little plump self out there on the side of the road. First car stopped, pulled over. Can I help you? She's like, you stay in the car. They'll see me, you know. We got out of there pretty quick. This, this guy was very, very helpful. I mean, uh, heart of compassion. That's awesome. So, uh, so guys, if you ever get stranded, no one's pulling you over. Just stick something up your shirt and, you know. You know, it's, too, it's 2023, you know. We've talked about that before. I want to talk this morning, though, about leaving the atmosphere, about leaving the atmosphere, not just overcoming gravity, but how do we get enough lift to leave 
the atmosphere. Now, if you're probably uh, under the age of 30, you may not know what this is, but for those of us that were so blessed to know what this is, um, how many of you have played the game or know of the game Red Rover? Yeah. There's a reason why our arms don't go higher than this. <laughs> shoulder dislocations, a lot, lots of shoulder issues in this generation because of this game Red Rover. But in this game Red Rover, um, uh, essentially you form two lines of people and they, they join hands, they create this human chain and then they call out to the other chain of people on the other side, maybe on the other side of the room or, or, or on the other side of the field and, and they, they call out, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Johnny on over. And they pick someone out of the line, and then Johnny, he lets go of the hands of his, uh, in his chain of people, and, and Johnny then has to run as fast as he can to try to run through and break the chain of hands on the other side. This is a dangerous game. <laughs> we played this in school, at church, in the neighborhood, Neighborhood Red Rover is dangerous, though. Like, neighborhood Red Rover, like, unsupervised Red Rover. You know, you're not plowing into hands. You're plowing into bodies, and it just gets bad. So, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Johnny on over. And Johnny comes, he tries to run through the hands. And, uh, and the, so, the challenge is breaking through the, the chain of linked arms. And if he does, then Johnny wins. If he doesn't, Johnny loses bad, doesn't he? Johnny gets clotheslined, and then now he has a head injury, uh, we're, now we're getting stitches. It's it's a it's a it, it's called Red Rover because you end up red all over. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think kids play this game in school anymore. Any te- any teachers that we still play we still play Red Rover in, uh, over in Eastern, huh? They are the real deal. <laughs> They're built different over there. Bunch of farmers. <laughs> yeah. Red Rover, Red Rover, let Johnny bleed all over. You know, it's, it's how it is. So if Johnny breaks the chain of the arms, he also is demonstrating uh, several key aspects to the space concept of escaping the atmosphere. And that is to propel oneself with enough speed and thrust to break through a barrier or for space to break through the barrier of Earth's atmosphere. Now, Johnny's reward if he has all of his limbs in his sockets and teeth in his head, his reward is, you know, cheers from his teammates. Yeah, go, Johnny. But the reward of a spacecraft uh, in this journey is that it gets to escape Earth's atmosphere and enter into orbit. Pretty cool. There are over 8,000 satellites orbiting the Earth right now. I think it's like 8,200 large pieces of equipment orbiting the earth. That's crazy. Now, only a certain, there, there's, not all of them are even working. Some of them have been like discontinued, I guess. They didn't get the software update. I don't know. But a lot of them aren't working. Uh, and that because there is gravity in earth, uh, a gravity even in space, that these satellites are actually slowly descending because of the pool of Earth, And so when they go visit the International Space Station, uh, every time they visit, they give it a little bit of a bump. Because they, it, it's losing about 90 feet, uh, I forget in, in how, what, what amount of time, I don't remember if it's a day or a year, but it's, it is, the gravity is slowly pulling these things back to Earth. And so uh, when, 
So I don't know. Like one day, I think satellites will start falling. I don't know. But it's kind of worrisome, I guess. That's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of attempts that, that we have made in getting things to escape Earth's atmosphere. And, um, and, and we too, we live in this realm of Earth's gravity, but we know spiritually there is this pulling on us, and it's the pulling of sin. It's, enti- it's always enticing us and enticing our desires. It wants to pull down our marriages, pull down our potential. It wants to pull us, us down and, and to ultimately crash us. So how do we escape? Well, we, we, knew, we know how to overcome. We, we need lift. We need the word of God and the spirit of God. But if we, can, if we can escape Earth's atmosphere, if we can escape where the, the gravitational pull is the strongest, if we can get to another level of relationship with God, actually you will feel the, 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 the pull of gravity a lot less if you can escape the atmosphere. So, if we, it's, so astronauts, when they have walked on the moon, they experience this weightlessness and there is, a, there is a part of your relationship with God that you can reach a level in your relationship with God where you feel that type of limitless. You feel that, that the, the, the pull of that temptation, it doesn't, it doesn't overcome you anymore because you overcame it. The pool of sin that may, I, you know what? I'm not as prone to gossip anymore because I've matured spiritually. I'm not as prone to my anger. I'm not as prone to my jealousy. I'm not as prone to my lust. I'm not as prone to, to worshiping money and stuff because I've grown up in the Lord. And you can grow to a point where you can escape some of where the pool is the greatest is when we're standing still. But if we can thrust, have enough thrust to escape Earth's atmosphere, is there still gravity in space? Yes, there is. But it is far less. And you don't have to be being pulled down by what's pulling you down right now. There is a day where you will be, you can look back and say, I overcame that. This message won't be the silver bullet that's just going to fix it in an instant, although I pray that God would miraculously deliver some people from some things. But God, in his wisdom, also knows that if you take the journey out of what's overcoming you, you can overcome it, and in it you will have the spiritual maturity and the character maturity that you'll never go back to it. But we got to get out of this atmosphere, don't we? So I'm going to give you three things to lift out of the atmosphere. Three things to lift out of the atmosphere. The first thing is it requires strict training. And this is where, uh, uh, this is where we begin to get lost a little bit. Because when we get saved or we, we start coming back to church, ooh, we, I found myself a fun church. This church is fun. Man, they got coffee in the lobby. We got some of the greatest coffee in the lobby. Come on, somebody. New Life Cafe serve team, we applaud you. We thank you because you caffeinate us. Thank you for your smoothies and your donuts. It is awesome. Thank you very much. Man, I found myself a cool church. I found myself a fun church. I, I hope, you know, that I, I think church should be fun. But I also tell you that it's not always. That because this walk with God is not just about fun. It's not all bubbles and butterflies around here. 
Sometimes it's about, hey, listen, come here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't do that here. <laughs> uh, not only that, but you can't do that at home. You can't do that at work. Like, like, like we got to get real. And so to, to lift out of the atmosphere, it takes strict training. We call this, the Bible calls this, discipleship. This is an ongoing process in all of our lives where we are being made more and more like the one we're following. His name is Jesus, okay? And this is where a, a, a lot of times we begin to see believers begin to drift because they realize, oh, this thing takes work. I thought it was all bubbles and, bubbles and butterflies and cookies in the lobby. I mean, uh, no, man, this is a life work. It requires strict training. Every astronaut, before they take lift and escape Earth's atmosphere, they go through strict training. They have to train their minds. They have to be incredibly uh, studious. Great, great students. Uh, they have to pass a lot of tests. Most of the astronauts that you'll find that have gone into outer space and even walked the moon are all graduates of Purdue University. Boil up. I hear you. Is Mike Middleton over there somewhere? They have to be studious. And as believers, we too have to be studious. This is the strict training of, of engaging with the Bible in our daily lives, not just what I get you here, but what you get on a regular basis through the Word of God. It's the Word of God and Spirit of God that can bust and give us lift. And so you're running out of fuel. You gotta, so it requires strict training. You've got to be studious. We've got to be students of the Word. Uh, 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 astronauts also have to train themselves physically. Uh, uh, I would not be an astronaut. I would not pass that test. Uh, one, they have to have perfect vision, 20-20 in both eyes. Uh, um, two, uh, they have to kind of be at a certain blood pressure, heart rate kind of situation there. They, they, their bodies have to be fit enough to travel to outer space. And, and, and also, like, and I've, I know you've probably seen when they do G-force training, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't care how much you pay me, like, that one spin around that thing, and I'm toast. Like, I don't do fair rides, right? Anything that is a circle, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be it's going to be bad. It's going to be really, really bad. And uh, years ago, I was a student pilot for a, uh, for a time, and, and I, I got some, some hours in my logbook, and then, you know, life, life changes and the call to ministry. I never finished getting my private pilot's license, but I was a student pilot for a while, and I was so excited because I, I got into it because I was traveling a lot for work at the time, and I was, had, you know, sometimes four flights a week, and, and one, one night I was on the tarmac in Atlanta, and shout out to Atlanta Airport, you're the worst, we don't like you, uh, we bless you, love you, um, crazy things happen there it seems, but I'm at Atlanta and I'm sitting in an airplane, I'm looking out the window, and I'm like, what do all these signs mean? You know, all the signs on the taxiway, letters and numbers and colors, and so I got to my hotel that night in North Carolina, I began to Google what it means, and it sent me down this rabbit trail where now I'm ordering student pilot ground school textbooks, and I'm studying these textbooks for fun, for fun! I thought it was so fascinating, and the, the math involved, and all this stuff, and so I finally go, and I start uh, taking uh, lessons, and I was so excited, and I asked my instructor, I said, hey, can I do the pre-flight checklist, and you tell me if I make a mistake? 
He's like, no one has ever asked me that in the first lesson before because I'd already done it a hundred times in my mind. So we pre-flight the airplane, we start it up, we're ready to go, and like uh, the nav, everything's set up. And he's like, that's amazing. I said, well, I've been reading this textbook for like two years. And so we get up, I take my first lesson, we land, and he's like, what'd you think? And, he, and I, I probably visibly looked disappointed. He's like, what'd you think? And I was like, I thought it'd be easier. I thought it'd be easier than that. I was really disappointed that in doing steep turns, I kept losing altitude, and I didn't have the feel. And also, uh, instructor Eric, I, uh, I feel sick to my stomach. I, I, didn't exp- I was so excited. I had all this knowledge. I was excited. But when it came time to actually do it, I, I feel like I failed. He's like, it's your first lesson, dude. Many Christians experience the same thing. They get excited. Like, yes, I'm going to take flight. Like, here's the book. Like, thank you. We read the book. Woo, information. Oh, yeah. And then we get put to the test, and we got to live it out in real life. We go, that was harder than I thought to forgive. It was harder than I thought to be humble. It was harder than I thought to have to submit to authority. It's harder than I thought to be, to be loving. And you know what? Here's the keys, here's the book, I may not be cut out for it. No, you gotta keep going. It takes strict training. You overcome the motion sickness the longer you're in flight. You overcome the forces of that, that G-force that makes you sit heavy in your seat and you overcome it and, and, and I was able to overcome it. But this, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that that in a race, all the runners run, except me. <laughs> you can win. I'll meet you there. I'm going to walk. Do you not know, sorry, do you know that, not all, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Listen, he says, run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. Strict training. They do not get a crown. Uh, they do it to get a crown uh, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, no, no. I strike and, and a blow to my body and make it a slave so that I have preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It takes strict training in order to lift and stay in the air. Amen. (laughs) I, I know why it's quiet, and this is why. Discipleship is the hardest work of the church. It is. It's the hardest work of the church. Because discipleship is a discipline, and discipline takes work. We like the bubbles, butterflies, cookies in the lobby, coffee in the morning kind of thing. But to put in the work that gives us the lift, I'm telling you, the view from up there is worth it, man. The view from up there, it is majestic when you get to see the sights and when you get to have the, the, the sense of accomplishment that with Jesus I won and I overcame. So we, we keep working. It's the hardest work of the church. And it's the most 
important work of the church is discipleship. This is why I tell you, get in a life group. Get in a life group. Keep taking steps of, of faith and do the hard things. So to lift out of the atmosphere, it takes strict training. The second thing it also takes is it requires great speed. It requires great speed. Um, for a spacecraft to escape the Earth's atmosphere, it has to reach a specific speed that is called the escape velocity, or also known as the escape speed. If you do not reach the escape velocity, the aircraft will not escape Earth's atmosphere. It will eventually, the gravitational pull will eventually win over the spacecraft and it will begin to fall back towards the Earth's surface. So it is paramount, it is absolutely essential for this spacecraft to reach the escape velocity. It's the minimum speed to escape the influence of gravity. But generally speaking, the spacecraft must obviously launch from Earth and reach this escape velocity of, get this, no less than 25,000 miles per hour. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. That's fast. That is approximately Mach 33, which is 33 times the speed of sound. Wow. At that speed... You could travel from the North Pole to the South Pole in 21 minutes at Mach 33. It takes incredible speed to escape the Earth's atmosphere. 25,000 miles per hour. I didn't even know such speed existed. I think Mike Mooney's like, sign me up. (laughs) 25,000 miles per hour. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, watch what he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. It's pulling us down. It is dragging us down. So let's throw off everything that hinders, sin that so easily entangles, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. There's three elements to flight, and I remember this from flight school. The three elements of flight, it is lift, thrust, and drag. Lift, thrust, and drag. And in order to go faster, you have to decrease drag. So we, this is what we call aerodynamics. So to decrease drag on an aircraft, sometimes you'll see if an airplane may have a retractable gear system. Uh, some uh, general aviation aircraft do not have retractable gear. Uh, some of the trainers we flew had fixed gear. And on, the, on those, if you've ever seen uh, an aircraft like this at a local airport, you'll see that uh, the wheels have what we call wheel pants, like pants. 
and it is this teardrop-shaped thing over the wheel. Simply by adding wheel pants over the wheels can add five knots to the speed of the aircraft because it reduces drag. Isn't that interesting? That little thing. Imagine. Remember, how do we escape the atmosphere? Atmosphere? Well, it takes uh, 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 strict training, and it takes an incredible amount of speed. So if you want to have the speed it takes to escape the atmosphere and the pool of things that are weighing you down, then you have to throw some things off. You have to, you got to cut loose from what you're entangled in. Maybe you've, you've seen a movie where uh, uh, there's been, it's like a classic movie scene. The airplane is going down. Engine trouble. Start throwing cargo out the back door. Reduce the weight, right? Some of us, we got some cargo in the back. We need, we need to get it out. There's been things that we've been holding on to, resentment, guilt, shame, harboring unforgiveness. You got to get it out of the vessel because it is pulling you down. You're not going to get the escape velocity that you need to overcome what's overcoming you. You got to you got to throw off the things that are hindering you and the sin that so easily entangles. So this is what I want you to know, that speed increases as weight and drag decrease. And spiritual growth increases as the weight of sin decreases. This is an essential part of our walk with God, that, that, that we look into the perfect mirror of the Scripture and we, and we see our reflection and say, oh, that needs groomed, that needs changed, that I need to get that out of my life. And, th- and this is where, like, as believers, we can start seeing people fall off. When the, it hits that strict part of training, discipleship, where now it's like, oh, I need more speed, but I don't want to let go of that. Well, you got to let go of your idols, you got to let go of your problems, you got to let go of unforgiveness, you, you, gotta, you gotta get free of that, because speed increases as weight and drag decreases. If you want to hit escape velocity, and in other words, if you want to go to the next level with your relationship with God, these are things that we have to overcome. So we need strict training. It requires great speed. And the third thing is, it requires a lot of fuel. A lot of fuel. Listen to this. Achieving escape velocity is one of the biggest challenges of facing that face uh, that space travel faces the vehicle that the spacecraft requires an enormous amount of fuel to break through earth's gravitational pull um how many maybe you've, you've heard of spacex and so the falcon 9 rocket from spacex typically uses 902,793 pounds of fuel just shy of a million pounds of fuel. Now imagine getting a million pounds to fly. That, I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's a lot of thrust. The Atlas D rocket, which launched the Mercury missions in the 1960s, used 244,000 pounds of fuel. But, but, even, but listen to this. The Saturn V rocket, or Saturn V rocket, I don't know which they called it, which took humans, uh, the first humans to the moon, required 
4.5 million pounds of fuel. So the good rule of thumb is that if you want to reach escape velocity, that the aircraft, the weight of the entire aircraft, 90% of its weight needs to be fuel. 90%. Wow. Now, now, uh, uh, maybe when you're traveling down the road, you'll see like those, those big semi-truck tankers that go to gas stations. You know what I'm talking about? Semi-truck tankers. From, from, from what I can find, a fuel tanker can hold up to 80,000 pounds of fuel gross weight. It would take 11 semi-truck tankers to fuel the Falcon 9 from SpaceX. 11. And it would take 57 semi-tankers to fill the Saturn V rocket. 4.5 million pounds of fuel. You know, some believers find lift for a little while, but run out of gas. They run out of gas. The jets were starved of fuel, and now the effects of gravity are pulling them down. I will tell you this. If you think you have enough fuel, you don't. (laughs) We need more fuel. This is why we faithfully attend church on Sunday. We get filled. This is why we faithfully want to engage with Scripture in our regular life. We get filled. This is why we make worship a part of our lifestyle, not just three songs we sing, because it gives us fuel. This is why we join a group, because a good friend will give you fuel. It requires lots of fuel to go to next levels in our relationship with God. And it is also possible that you could crash a perfectly good life and have a full tank of gas. You see, God has an unlimited source of fuel for you. But he won't fill your tank unless it's empty. And your tank doesn't empty unless you're burning fuel. And so some people, I've noticed, I'm not trying to tell on anyone, but I've just noticed in my years of life that some people have sat in the rows of church for decades and they just say, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed anymore. Don't feel as excited anymore. And because and they've they filled the tank, but they're not doing anything. You see, if you are getting fueled by God and then you are active in his mission, and you are serving on a team, and you are being a light in dark places, and you're shining a light at work, and, you're, and you have this conviction in your heart to get to know the neighbors in where you live, and you have this conviction in your heart that your heart still breaks for the lost, and you want to serve them, and, and your heart is still breaks for missions, and you, you give generously, and then God fills you up, and he fills you up, and then the word of God just looks more and more relevant to your life because you continue to burn the fuel he gives you you can crash your life with a full tank of gas if you don't turn the engines on we got to keep burning fuel baby keep burning that gas keep having lift and God will keep filling your tanks with fuel 
Galatians 5, 7 says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on you, and keep you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He keeps filling the tank. It's going to take a lot of gas, but it's worth it to get where God wants us to be. Jeremiah 17 paints us a, a beautiful picture of this concept. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I want to be that kind of tree that when the heat is on and other people look burnt and roasted, my greens are leave. My greens are... I'm just a little listexlic. I can't even say it right, actually. My wires are crossed there. But like a tree planted by the stream, the heat comes, it's strong. Other people wither and fade, it still produces fruit. People say, but how? There's a drought in the land. Follower of Jesus, don't you see? There's a drought. The, the markets aren't good. Gas prices are high, tensions, turmoil, politics. Why are you still green and, and producing fruit? I planted myself by the stream. You see, I have a source. You've got dry dirt. I've got a source. It doesn't run dry. He fills my tank. I'm lifting out of this place. Somebody holler at me. Listen, my last thought, make God your source of power to leave behind what's holding you down. Make God your source. Make God your source. Make God your source. Don't quit. Let's throw off everything that hinders, everything that's entangling us to increase speed as, as, and, and reduce the weight and increase speed and reach escape velocity. And you'll never escape gravity. You won't. But it's less up there. When you reach the, the different layers of your relationship with God, you overcome what's holding you down. Mm. And the perspective we get, oh, man. But it takes strict training. It takes a lot of gas, a lot of speed. But those who get there get to walk in liberty and the freedom that Christ promised us. And what's beautiful is you don't have to do it on your strength. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us his word, and that gives us thrust. And don't think that you're going to get there next week. It takes time. It's a process. The problem is we live in a microwave world, but we have a crockpot God. 
And I know that when I come in from work and I smell what's cooking in that crock pot since that morning, oh, mm, bless my wife. It's so much better. And it's worth the wait, isn't it? You can throw that hungry man in the microwave for four minutes, but I'm going to feast on something good. Would you stand with me this morning? How many of you are ready to lift out of this atmosphere? Ready to lift out of what's been holding you down? And I could get you to cheer and I could get you to be excited, but the reality is school starts tomorrow. We're going to get ourselves in the, in the manual, the book, the Word of God. We're going to get filled with the Spirit of God. We're going to start physically training our spirit and our character and then watch the altimeter as we begin to climb oh but you'll need more gas so keep showing up keep getting filled up and one day you'll look back and you'll say I have changed so much my family's different my marriage is different and right now you might look and say man the grass is greener on the other side for them yeah but They're watering it, dude. They're fertilizing it. They're trimming it. They're working every day. That's us. That we are going to be a tree planted by the stream. And God is our source of power to leave behind what's holding us down. God, I just pray right now that this morning, of anything else, God, may you just inspire us to keep going inspire us to begin to burn the gases in the tank with faith to believe that you are our source. God, we know it takes strict training, but it was just, it's just the discipline of following you. We want to know your word. We want to live by your word. We want to be an expression of you to the world around us. We want to shine our light in dark places. Lord, we want to be a witness. Lord, we want to, uh, as men, God, we're going to lead our families. Uh, Lord, we're going to help lead our children. God, I pray for marriages that they'd be made strong. God, I pray for young people and teenagers that, God, that you would put a passion in their heart, that, God, that they, that they would have a hunger for you, and, Lord, that they would, you would call some to minister call some to the missions field that they will follow you all the days of their life God may your hand be on our children and God may your hand be on our church may you continue to to bless this church may we continue to resource and reach the lost and see the lost saved and save people pastored and pastor people mobilized to make a change in this world God we are going to lift out of this atmosphere and God we're going to see people come uh, overcome what is holding them down being set free from the grip of sin We're going to throw off everything that hinders, and we're going to commit to a process. We're going to put in the work, and God, we're going to reap the reward. Like like every runner runs the race, but one wins the prize. So we, 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 we take blows to our body. We build our character. We understand pain, but we also understand reward. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would continue to keep before us your mission for the world, that this thing ain't even about us. It's about reaching the world, and you need us, God, to lift out of what is holding us down and leave this atmosphere in Jesus' name. And in doing so, God, may we lead others out of what's holding them down. In Jesus' name. Scripture talks about something called the paths of righteousness. So I just thought of this. And, um, and actually, you could Google this and find a, an image online 
of the paths of righteousness actually in the Middle East. And essentially what it is is that in the area where Jesus was, uh, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, there wasn't a lot of Indiana, in other words. It was mountainous and hilly and probably beautiful. But in order to graze sheep in terrain like that, they would walk sheep in a line up mountains and zigzag them, and sheep just follow the one in front of it. And they would zigzag them along a hill so they would have grass to eat. Otherwise, they'd just go in one little spot and eat it all. So they would walk them zigzag up a mountain um, as they would graze and they would do this and the sheep would wear a path in the sides of the hills and they called these the paths of righteousness and essentially by taking this zigzag route you see the sheep could not just climb that steep of a mountain but over the course of this zigzag pattern Slowly yet surely, one step at a time, they reach the summit and didn't really feel the effect of climbing that high. The paths of righteousness is that one step at a time, over the course of time, one day you'll look back and you'll say, how did I get this high? And that's walking with Jesus. He gives us just enough that we can handle right now and it took us a little higher and a little higher. Because if he took you to the mountaintop right now, you'd probably pass out. Paths of righteousness. And that's what it means to walk with Jesus. It's a journey. You just got to be committed to the long game. God bless you as you ignite to leave this atmosphere and overcome what's holding you down. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.